Are you the type of person who never accepted the standard answer? This is the But Why podcast, where we flip the script on everything you thought you knew, answer the questions you didn't want to ask, and trigger your mind as we seek the truth to the greatest misconceptions. I'm Michaela Renee Johnson, and welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the But Why podcast. We're going to talk about some really kind of uh, edgy topics today, and we're certainly going to touch on the topic of freedom and sovereignty. But before we do that, can you tell the listeners a little bit about how you got where you are in life and just kind of all the things, all the things? Sure. So it's it's so great to be here, Michaela. It's been a long journey, and I think that most lives are. I started as a stock trader, actually, equities, very uh, stressful type A kind of person. And I tried to do everything I was told to do, tried to uh, make it in the world and did a really good job, except on the inside, it did not feel so good. Mm. And so I sought out psychotherapy. And I was kind of amazed that just talking to someone, I thought it was just talk at the time, was changing my life. And it was the first time someone was actually interested in the way that I thought about things and felt. And that started to ripple into my whole life. And I started to get really interested in how do we change? And I went back to school and started studying this. And my life started to get much better. I started to have juicier relationships and feel better about things. And then I tried to have a baby. And this was really the gift of it all, even though, you know, it's a, it's a hard journey when um, trying to have a child doesn't go easily. And I lost a son at birth, my son, Zachary. And through his loss, I really, I really broke and all those ways I was trying to put myself together and be a good girl and be successful and all these things, it just didn't work anymore. And I hit rock bottom. And that's when I sought out a plant called ayahuasca. And through my, and I'm giving you the short version here, but through my work with ayahuasca, so much woke up. And it was really wildly ironic because I went in search of a baby. And what I found was my sexuality and my life force. And this is what has propelled me into a career beyond psychotherapy, helping people use psychedelic medicine in both microdosing and macrodosing to expand their enjoyment, which then changes everything in all the areas of life. Wow. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, medical freedom and freedom mm-hmm. of choice in this way. Obviously, this is a very hot topic with everything that's going on in the world right now. And, you know, you have kind of um, shared about this experience that you have about the human birthright. And um, can you share with me what your thoughts are on kind of everything that's happening? I mean, the whole thing about this podcast is it's edgy, right? So I did the fluff and stuff like here's tips, tools and tricks to bring you to happiness for 150 episodes in the Be You Find Happy podcast. And this one is all about like, let's get the let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's talk about things that are uncomfortable. I mean, what I I have not done ayahuasca, what I've heard about ayahuasca is um, 
pretty profound on all levels. I, I, I'm kind of, <laughs> I am hesitant because of the, the vomiting part of things that I have heard. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, I hate puking. Like I will hold it in until there's no option. <laughs> um, but talk with me a little bit about how you feel about the birthright of freedom and medical choice and all these things. <sighs> I adore your question. I adore edginess. <laughs> there's not enough in this world. So yes, let's talk. So, you know, <laughs> this is fascinating. We're born natural. We are no different. My cat's on my desk right now trying to push things off. Like this is who we are. We're beings with natural impulses and they get squashed. We get told how to behave and what's mm -hmm. good and what's bad. And we don't get all told the same thing. So this is how we know it can't be true because we've all got different ideas of what it means to be a successful human being. And I, I believe we all have the right to create whatever version of that we want to create. And ultimately what I'm willing to fight for is our freedom to become ourselves. And that's to me what the journey of the medicine is. Um, and so you know, everybody probably has a different idea of what that is, but I think what you're trying to say, well, I think what I'm hearing you say is, you know, even though we're born with this complete freedom at a very young age, we start being almost manipulated or almost indoctrinated or almost led down a path, either environmentally or, um, you know, from our family systems or whatever. And then we spend the rest of our life trying to work our way back to, that birth, um, unjaded, undetermined kind of existence. Is that, is that what you're saying? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Exactly. Exactly. Very good. <laughs> and, and so how can people do that through ayahuasca? Like, I know that there's other psychedelics as well. Um, but what is this experience like? And, and I've heard, you know, I've heard things referred to as plant medicine, um, I had a plant medicine specialist on the last podcast. I'm just curious, like, do you think that it's put here to tap into other realms? Do you think that it's put on the earth so it's good? Do you think there are things about it that are not good? Do you think that certain people shouldn't even think about it because they're not in a safe space? I mean, share with me your thoughts on that. Yeah, so absolutely. I think there's ways in which it can be used that are not helpful. For example, you always often hear of people who are very young doing acid or mushrooms and having a bad experience and it affects them for a long time some very 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 seriously because there's not the container of wisdom to hold their experience and there's not the intention um i do believe that these medicines have to be used with great respect honor and humility and at the same time, when they are used either in tradition or in a more contemporary way with good container, they have the potential to do all the things you mentioned. Like they can, I have been combed through my body and healed from trauma such that I'm no longer afraid in situations where my body used to jolt out. They can connect us to other realms. They give us incredible insights, emotional purging. I remember one night when I had to see everything that I had done wrong in my relationship that had recently broken up. And it was awful just to see 
and I don't mean wrong like I'm bad. I mean wrong like how I had hurt him. And I hadn't seen it before. And it was hard. And I cried and I cried. But one of the most healing experiences of my life. So the way I like to talk about the psychedelics is they're they're like the most powerful therapy session you can possibly imagine that meets you right where you are physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and gives you this beautiful and challenging medicine um, that has the power to change you forever. But how does it work? I mean, what how, how does it do that? What does it tap into in the brain? I mean, I'm a, you know, I tend to be, I'm the kind of person who, you know, I don't generally like to take like even ibuprofen because I want to be well aware of what my body is doing. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like insight to what's happening. So for example, if I'm out in the yard working really, really hard and I'm experiencing back pain, for me, it's like, okay, you were obviously not lifting correctly or you need to strengthen parts of your back. and um you know, I really want to feel and be aware. And then I want to try alternative ways of soothing it before I use a medicine per se, or before I alter my brain state to not be aware. Also having a young son, you know, I'm always afraid something's going to happen to him and then I'm not going to be able to drive a car or whatever. So I rarely self-medicate at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of a tough it out person. So I'm just curious, how does it function? Like, how does it work? What is it? What's, how does the mechanism of it? Like I, you know, I've never done shrooms. I've never experienced some of these things that people describe with different types of um, plant medicines and various things. So how do they work? Sure. So the first thing I'll say is they are not about symptom relief. Sometimes you will hear people using especially shrooms to kind of have a, a relaxed state. But in general, they're not symptom relief. They're healing. So, and I think that's a really important distinction. And definitely when I work with clients, we do an eight week cycle, for example, of microdosing, and then we stop because it's a practice, not a lifestyle. So that being said, I am not a neuroscientist. So while I can say a couple things, um, neuroscience needs, has a lot more work to do in this area. And this is not my top area of expertise. But what happens is the neuroplasticity opens up tremendously, and they have studied this. So what you can do is rewire based on the insights you are seeing. So you come out of a night with the mushrooms or the ayahuasca different in your neural pathways than you went in. Oh my goodness. I mean, that sounds incredible, but also terrifying. Like I was the person who I went in to have my wisdom teeth pulled and, um, at 17 or whatever, and they nicked a nerve pulling one of the teeth. And so I was like the like 0.02% that you hear about in the lobby when you're signing all the paperwork that got like the numb tongue and the numb mouth and the whole thing. And like to this day, if I tap on it, it's still got the little tingles. <laughs> um, oh so I feel like I would be the one percent where it's like, oops, it reframed your brain in the wrong way, and now you're a serial killer. <laughs> I mean, like, how, how do you create like some lack of fear from something like that? Yeah, and you know, it's amazing the number of times I hear exactly that fear. Um, my fears are slightly different, but I hear this one one quite a lot, and I really believe that these medicines bring us into into relationship with life in a deeper way. That has been my experience. And are there people who have very adverse reactions once in a while, but usually there are preconditions for that. Um, they, 
I think that it's how we hold the containers. Like if you're taught how to lean into an uncomfortable feeling that comes up during a ceremony and to breathe into it and to be curious. And if you have a facilitator there who comes over and clears your energy and um, talks you through it, you can usually get through something that's really scary and really painful. And those are usually the most powerful ceremonies. Um, let's switch gears for just a second here and share with me why you think people are so adverse or, um, defiant about trying something like this. Like, what do you think culturally, uh, we experience in America that has people kind of go, Ooh, you know, that's that kind of person. And I'm not that kind of person, or, you know, that's not for, that's not for people like me or, or whatever those kind of narratives are that come up. What do you think about why? That is in America in particular. I think there's two main things that I think are going on. One is change is scary. And this is like the most change possible that, as you've alluded to, we don't have control. We have to surrender when we engage in a macro dosing trip. And that is extremely terrifying to most people. I'm still scared every time I work with the medicines, whether I am or with a client. I have to breathe and because you just don't know. Um, you don't know what you're going to see. We are not in control of the world. We wish we were, but, you know, life is life is a mystery. The other piece of this is the war on drugs and how a whole bunch of substances have been classed together as criminal. And this we've been brought up, just say no to drugs and to start to unpack why some of these medicines like ayahuasca, a traditional shamanic substance, um, is being put together with crack cocaine in the same classification, although there are some exemptions, of course, especially in the United States. Um, it, it, unpacking that is a bit too complex for most people, and there's a history there that um, we most of us don't understand. Um, and so do you think that it can be shifted, and if so, how? Like, how do you talk about, how do you talk about it to people? I basically have no shortage of people who are interested in speaking about it. And I describe my experiences and the experiences of people I work with, the lenses that I use. I bring in other resources of some other common people who are out there talking about it. And I never sell like I never suggest you know how some people will say, oh, maybe you should go see someone about that. Or have you ever thought about therapy or have you ever thought about yoga? I've done that with friends. I will never, ever do that with these medicines. My view is it will shift as more and more of us metabolize the insights from it. And some of us are actually doing the medicines and some of us are just in the field picking up what people who are doing the medicines are accessing and some people are doing their own meditations and breath works without the medicines and they're picking up the same things and some people are just naturally wise and they go for a walk and they get it too and yeah I think it is it is shifting um I don't disagree with you I think there's definitely something to that so let's just say somebody's like okay I you know I think I want to have this profound experience of healing um, and want to do this, you know, ayahuasca ritual or ceremony, um, how can people find the right one? Right? Like, I mean, there's, you hear about people that are for the first time are like, I'm going to try weed and that's laced with freaking PCP or something. And they have the worst experience of their life. Like how can people figure out a safe 
face to, to do this? This is such an important question for all of these substances, especially as they become more and more common. Um, I have been blessed to find good people. What I would say is you, you definitely want to get referrals from people you know. And it can be a little frustrating at first. I know I wanted to do ayahuasca and I was like, where is it? Where is it? It's underground. It's underground. And then I found it and now it's everywhere. And to trust that journey, to get referrals from people you trust and to know the community, um, there should absolutely be no sexual contact between anyone during these ceremonies, unless that's something everybody's pre-agreed to, and that would be a different experience. But you want to just be really clear about some of the agreements. And, you know, I would never do a ceremony with just, say, one facilitator. I would want a couple facilitators. Um, those types of things are really important. And I've had great experiences in Peru. Now, also, in Peru, not every place is reputable, but there are some really, really good traditional places you can go and have really, really amazing experiences. So that's also an option if we're talking about ayahuasca. Um, and so share with me uh, the number one, like, physical thing that you experience. I mean, did you vomit? I'm just curious. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Single time. And... I want to say every single time I do ayahuasca, I swear to myself, I will never do it again. Oh, God. So Sounds good. terrible. Yeah, it is really intense. And that's one of the reasons I work with psilocybin a lot, because it is much gentler, much more enjoyable, and low probability of barf. Oh, that makes me want to barf just thinking about it. Um, okay. So um, one other question that I have is, you know, um, th so an interesting thing happened. Everybody that listens to this podcast knows this now. Um, I was really big into the new age, um, light worker world for a very long time. And I recently started diving into the Bible, um, and tapping into some Christian root foundations that I've had. There are some thoughts um within you know the christian community about these kinds of medicines and the way in which they open portals to satanic forces what are your thoughts on this i know we're going really far on the outskirts of edgy here but i'm just curious oh i love this i've actually been returning to some of my christian roots recently as well so this is very well timed um yeah there de there definitely are um groups that see a lot of things as satanic, actually, um, that I hold dear. And there are Christians who are working with these medicines and open to them. And there is a lot of research that's been done about the pagan roots yeah. of Christianity. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's I think it's complex. And, you know, I honor all the views and I certainly, having been brought up very Christian myself, am still very discerning about energy. And at the same time, I have not found anything demonic. I have only found health and happiness far beyond my wildest dreams through this work. And to me, interesting. <laughs> That's a really powerful testimonial. Um, and I want to continue. I'm going to continue to research, you know, from my own perspective, like different 
um, scriptures and things like that, because I got to the point, like what I, what I have described in former podcast episodes as the edge of a precipice where there was no return from Mm -hmm. kind of the work that I was doing. So I've come the far pendulum swinging direction where I'm like, I'm still working on redeveloping a relationship with the stars. Like that's how, how much I've had to come back from it. Like even the other day I looked up and I was like, Oh, Pleiades, (laughs) you know, like I, I, I'm still kind of working through this. Um, I saw something just on ad hoc, a meme on social media that was like, this is, you know, how a Sagittarius woman would perceive this. And I was like, gosh, you know, just to know that these energies are so interconnected and so powerful, but both sides, right? I mean, the reason they're effective is because they're off limits. It it is the apple. You know what I mean? So it's the, it's the glorious shiny apple of you can access all of this, take a bite. And, um, you know, if they were all bogus, you wouldn't be a Lord. Right. So for me, um, I know that there's something there and I'm so far on the opposite spectrum right now that I'm cautiously tiptoeing back to these things, but, um, you know, with a different kind of shield or discernment like you're describing. So um, really interesting. Gosh, this has been a great conversation. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we go for the day? I think what I would say is this is a hot button topic and take your time, listen to yourself and your callings, Research people who are talking about it. There's a lot of information out there. I have a lot of information out there. And just really feel into it because there's no right way, right? Like, Michaela, you're on your journey. I'm on mine. There's no right way to do it. We all just take the steps we take and we can trust ourselves. Fantastic. And as always, folks, you know that we include ways to get in touch with Allison in the show notes. She's got a blog. She's got some special offerings. She shares more about her personal story. I definitely highly recommend you click that link right below this podcast episode. And Allison, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate all these kind of but why narrative shattering conversations. <laughs> this has been great, Michaela. Great to be with you. Take care. You too. Thanks for joining us on the But Why podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, click subscribe, share with your friends, and we'll see you next week.